Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. We're bringing you some music. And lots of concert cheer in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. We're back at Church's College again, this time with the Petersfield Orchestra as they rehearse for their new concert. We'll speak to Chairman of the Orchestra, Steve Bartholomew, Conductor Robin Browning, Orchestra Leader Helen Purchase to find out what's in store for their upcoming November concert. John Walker from the Petersfield Post has your latest local news and Susie had to contend with high winds in Bereton in her wild walk. We end this week's Peapod with a song from Callum Gardner who was featured recently on Mandy P's local showcase. The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. Hi Joff. Hello Claire. Now we're back at churches. In the background of this whole recording, we are accompanied by the Petersfield Orchestra. How does it sound? It sounds amazing. This is a rehearsal uh, for their concert later on in November, and they sound great. So, Claire, how's your week been? It's been all right, actually. It's gone quite quickly, considering I thought it was going to be a long week after half-term was the week before, going back after half-term, and, of course, the clocks have changed, so it's... Darker earlier, which I don't like, and it always feels a bit of a struggle. But actually, it's, it's been okay. How about you, Joff? Well, yes, main thing really is clocks have changed. It's darker when I'm driving home. I'm back in Chichester most of the time. Deer watch. Deer season. Deer season. Ooh. Have someone, you seen any? Not yet, but someone did ask me uh, beginning of the week, Joff, it's been nearly two years. You must have got over it. Aren't you of the, of the mind that you've hit one once, you're not going to hit another one? And I said, no. <laughs> in my world... If it's happened once, it could happen again. Yeah, it you could, know? and you're absolutely right. You must sort of get to that point where it happened to be... I imagine you're quite nervous driving oh, yes. past that bit. It, yeah. is, it is amazing how much, even now, the nighttime driving has been affected. Do you go the long way? Could you go the long way I instead? could go the long way, but it's been all right this week because, because the clocks have only just changed. It's still quite light, and we finish at four, so it's not been too bad. OK, well, here's hoping, Joff. So, Claire, big news in our household this week. It's been in the news the last couple of days. We're recording this on the 4th. It's been in the news the last couple of days. A popular confectionery, which brings out boxes of sweets around Christmas time, has dropped the mini coconut one. I read this too. How will this affect your household? Yeah, it's shocking. Well, for me particularly, I don't think it'll affect anybody else because I think I'm the only one that eats it, which is, which is the exactly reason why. This, exactly the same drop. reason our household, only one out of the four... Eat some. Who eats it? Oh, the good lady wife. Oh, yeah. Me, I get, Yummy. I, coconut. Mm. Do you know what, though? It's interesting you brought this up because I was shopping uh, in Southampton and they, I don't know how to say this if I'm supposed to say names, but another chocolate box that's popular at Christmas is also bringing in a new flavour. I think you can only get it at a particular department store. And they were giving out samples. It was a honeycomb one. Oh, hello. Delicious. Hello. Really nice. So look out for the new honeycomb. Oh, I like honeycomb. Chocolate. Mm. With, with chocolate as oh, well. Oh, lovely. And it had, it had that nice little kind of sparkly tingle on your tongue afterwards. What do they oh. put on that? That sort of special tingly. Oh, magic dust. Yeah, dust. That's it. Oh, hello. Special for Christmas. 
<laughs> Let's not talk about Christmas just yet, Claire. Well, it's coming. It's not far away. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> so it's nice to be back at churches again. Yes. Last week was great fun. It was great at the fun, wasn't it? In, on reflection, it was, it was a... We were four hours recording and it flew by and it was just a wonderful evening, wasn't it? It was. It was. Very different evening with the music here. It's, honestly, it's just sounding wonderful. <laughs> Claire, we're just very cultured, aren't we? That's, that's what we've got to... And, well, and so is Petersfield, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. So if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi, please do call or WhatsApp us on 01730 555 500 or send an email to team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, we talk to chairman of the Petersfield Orchestra, Steve Bartholomew. But first, let's find out what's been going on in the Petersphere from the Petersfield Post's John Walker. To the backdrop of some, some, some very dramatic music. I thought that too. Brilliant. Hello, John. How are you? Take two. <laughs> Just a little snippet for our interested listeners. We've already done this once, but Joff forgot to record it. So this is round two. I'm very well, thank you, Joff. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, John. Well, what a wet weekend we've had. Yes. <laughs> That's been a wet weekend. You can't argue with that. And where does the water go, Joff? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Well, currently, John, there seems to be a lot of surface water, which is where the water seems to be going. So it's not really going anywhere, then, is it? It's just lying there. (laughs) Which begs the question, John, the drainage system in the town, is it fit for purpose? Well, I can answer that fairly swiftly, no. But it's, it's the main sewers are Victorian. They weren't built to cope with this sort of water. The problem, I seem to think, is that um, we're getting less rain on a daily basis throughout the year but when it comes it comes harder and for longer and the drains clearly just can't cope with that amount of water and won't go but are they being cleaned out enough Joff this is what we need to know we touched on it earlier prior to when we thought we were recording yeah are the drains cleared enough we've had lots of high winds and the leaves have fallen clogging up the drains when was the last time a drain outside your house was cleared out? Well, I can broaden that, Geoff. The last time I saw drains clear, being cleared in Petersfield was 2001, I think. <laughs> but no, it's Hampshire County Council, the Roads Authority, and they haven't got any money. So they'll do it when they can, as they can. But effectively, what you see today out there on the roads is probably as good as it's going to get for the foreseeable. OK, so sticking with the roads, I've been driving to Chichester this week, which takes me up Pullens Lane, Durford Road, and the new traffic warning sign hasn't worked once. Now, I have been sticking to the 30-mile-an-hour limit, so it may not have triggered, but cars have been pulling away from me and the lights haven't come on. You're very quick to say that you've been doing 30 through there, Joff. Pillar of the community, John. A hell of a pillar. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is rude. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's never going to work, is it? Because the traffic using that road is through traffic. They're not going along there to go into uh, Pullens Lane or Pullens Crescent or Durford Road or Rival Moor or Heath Road or whatever. They're going through the town and that's what they want to do. They want to get through Petersfield as quick as they can to go on their way to Chichester or Midhurst or wherever it is they're going. And we recorded last week outside your house on along Station Road. And I've got to say, while we were stood there, the speed that the cars were going down Station Road, coming out of Frenchman's Road, was quite a sight to see. Yeah, but again, it's, it's those roads. Historically, Petersfield was on a crossroads for sheep drovers mainly, bringing their sheep in. 
uh, you know, Winchester to Midhurst and Portsmouth to London, and that crossroads is still there. And Petersfield is a through town. Most of the traffic coming into the town, or a lot of it, is on its way to somewhere else. And they're not going to go slow. They just want to get through Petersfield as quick as they can, as fast as they can. So would a reduction in the speed limit, say, at a 20-mile-an-hour blanket speed limit across the town, be beneficial? Uh, yeah, technically, but there, there's a big argument about this, isn't there? Yes, technically, if you've got a 30-mile-an-hour speed limit, people will go at 35 or 40. If you've got a 20-mile-an-hour speed limit, people will go at 25 or 30, which has to be better. Uh, but it's enforcing it, Joff, and you can have all the flashing signs telling you what speed you're doing, but if there's nobody there who's going to pull you over and say, I'm writing you a ticket for speeding, it's not going to have any effect, real effect at all. People like yourself, upstanding pillars of the community, will, of course, do their 30 mile an hour or 20 mile an hour if that's the limit. But the majority of people, or a lot of the people using Peters, just want to get through it as quick as they can. Moving on, John, next Sunday is Remembrance Sunday. And it was great to see volunteers join forces over the weekend to tidy up the town. But should that really be needed in this day and age? Well, you've hit on a very interesting question. A nub, a nubby fit on job there, Joff, there. You've brought a nub of a question up. And I think you can't take it away. All credit to these people who get out there and do the, you know, clean up the town for Remembrance Sunday. But more importantly, you know, why is that litter even there in the first place? You know, when was it a thing that people just walked along and dropped their litter on the pavement or shoved it under a hedge or whatever? I mean, when I was growing up, back in the day when it was all grey and black and white, there was only two, two channels on the TV, if you were lucky enough to have one. If I dropped litter, I got slapped. But, you know, it, nowadays it seems that people, or a, a percentage, a large percentage of people, just, you know, they'll finish... I mean, it's like these coffee mugs. When was it ever become a thing that... People needed to drink coffee out of a container walking around the town. Or in the supermarket, where they then stop and talk to people and block the aisles. Oh, that was, that was a man who's had experience. <laughs> That's a man. Oh, that left a scar, that one, didn't it, Joff? <laughs> but, you know, so what do they do when they finish it? They put them on the windowsill, put it down, you know, pushed up against a building, chuck it in a hedge, you know. And it's the same with all litter. You, you go out on the slip roads out of Petersfield up to the A3... And it's a wash with litter that people have chucked in there onto the lay-by as, as they come out of town, out of their cars. I mean, when did this ever become a thing? When was it ever the right thing to do, just to drop your litter as you're either driving along or walking along? And if this didn't happen, these volunteers who did a great job and fantastic, and I really admire it, perhaps could be do, doing something more useful. They might be spending, able to spend some time with their kids or you know, mow their lawns or whatever. But no... And I, I just do not understand where it became a thing just to drop your litter and carry on walking. We've discussed this before, though, haven't we, John? It's the, the me, me, me society. Oh, it's definitely selfish. You know, it's, it's like everything. I'm going to speed through town because I want to get to the other side of it quick. It's about me. I have to be there very, very quickly because I'm so important. Or whatever it is I'm doing, it's so important. I must be there fast. And it's like the litter... Yeah, I'm not going to carry this around. I bought it, but I don't want it, so I'm just going to put it down there or chuck it out the car window. I don't want it. It's it's a throwaway society, Joff, and we're all throwing away stuff all over the place. Going back to the weather, to finish on, I believe you've got a a light-hearted story from Berriton. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the duck pond in Meryton, the water level has been dropping out, much like it has been at the Heath in uh, previous months. And apparently now the pond at Meryton is filled up and the ducks are having a whale of a time, splashing and ducking and diving and doing whatever it is they do, chasing each other around the pond and quacking like loons. And that's a noise that gets right on my nerves. <laughs> but there you go. But they're having the time of their lives in all this wet weather, this, those ducks. So hopefully the Heath will fill up and maybe the, the vicious ducks on the Heath will start enjoying life again. Brilliant, John. Thanks very much. I'll see you very soon. Well, I believe next Sunday. The Pixel Post is out every Wednesday and now costs £1.20. So please get one with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. The Petersfield Orchestra has been bringing music to the people of Petersfield for over 90 years. Performing three concerts a year in March, June and November, the orchestra is now preparing for their upcoming season. And in the midst of a busy rehearsal, Chairman of the Orchestra, Steve Bartholomew, has taken time out to talk to us. Hello, Steve, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks, Geoff. Good to see you. And Thank you, you very much for coming. Well, thanks for inviting us. We're very excited to listen to a rehearsal this evening. How are, how are the rehearsals going? Well, rehearsals are going really well. Um, this is about rehearsal uh, nine, I think, of ten Fridays. But we only have part of the orchestra with us on Friday nights. We bring in quite a lot of guest players for our concert. So we have an afternoon rehearsal on the concert day. And uh, then obviously they're with us for the concert in the evening. And we have some of the exotic instruments with us then, like the harp, for example, is coming in, which is lovely to have. So how many core members do you have in the Petersfield Orchestra and how many come in for the actual concert? Well, we have about, around about 35 regular players. And I think our strength will be closer to 60 for this concert because um, we have lost a few players because of COVID. Not so much people no longer playing at all, but just taking a step back for a while, or one or two retired. So we're a little bit down on numbers since COVID, but um, we've got plenty of good friends who come in and play with us when we need them to. And, And how did COVID affect the orchestra? Well, obviously, like everything else, we stopped. We stopped for a a good period of time, but we took every opportunity in, particularly in late 2020, I think, and certainly last calendar year, to get back. So our first concert was in June 2021. Uh, We'd been rehearsing on and off for it around the lockdowns. But the key thing was that we could only perform to a very small audience, um, and which we did in St Mary's in Lys, which is a new venue for us. And we'd been doing some rehearsals there as well. And we only about an orchestra of just under 40 and an audience of just over 40. And it was strings only. It was Vivaldi Four Seasons and some other pieces, but it was fantastic. Just great to be back. And then we did a wind-only concert in TPS in October. And then in November last year, we were back as an orchestra playing in St Peter's. That must have felt amazing. Yes, it did. And it was great that we could play in St Peter's because obviously the Festival Hall, um, where we're going to be playing in a couple of weeks' time, um, was being used as a vaccination centre. So great to be at St Peter's and thanks to them. 
now this year, the orchestra is planning a, a concert on the 17th of November. Can you tell us more about the concert this year? Please? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a Tchaikovsky sandwich. Tchaikovsky is actually the outer layers of the sandwich. The fabulous Romeo and Juliet overture, which is very passionate and um, incredibly well known. Um, and then the outer layer of the sandwich is the fourth symphony, which again is tremendously exciting, but it's got some very tender moments in it as well. And that's a big, meaty work for a very large orchestra, as is the Romeo and Juliet. And in the middle, we have this lovely gem of a 20th century trumpet concerto by this chap, Alexander Arachunian, um, who uh, is our, was Armenian. He died in 2012. He was aged 91. Um, and it's very tuneful. People think, you know, relatively modern music is going to be discordant and difficult, but it, it isn't. It's a beautiful piece, and we're very lucky to have Lucy Humphreys playing the solo part with us. And how do you go about choosing what music you're going to play? Well, um, a small number of us, including Robin Browning, our music director, and Helen Purchase, our leader, uh, and myself, and our librarian, uh, and one of our other long-standing members um, actually sit down in about January and we plan the next season. So the dates are usually in the diary for whatever venues we're going to be using, usually the festival hall, um, but the actual programmes are put together um, you know, in January for the first concert of the season, which is November. And do you play an instrument yourself, Steve? Yes, I do. <laughs> I play what some people might think is an unusual instrument. I play the bassoon. Uh, I'm one of the two bassoonists in the orchestra. Uh, most of the time there are you know, two of each woodwind instrument in the orchestra. Occasionally you get extra instruments, and as well as the, the bassoon, which is a bit like the cello equivalent to the woodwind. Um, sometimes you get something called a contra or double bassoon, which is twice the length and goes down an octave lower. So you kind of feel that more than you hear it sometimes. <laughs> but I don't play that. My colleague, Richard, who plays first bassoon in the orchestra, is also a fabulous double bassoon player as well. If someone is listening to us now and, and interested in joining the orchestra, what do they have to do? Well, really, they need to contact us through the website. It's really good. Um, there's uh, an email address there. And uh, just write into us and tell us a little bit about yourself um, or just say, you know, this is what I play and, you know, a little bit about standard. We're really looking for people sort of at grade eight standard uh, or above. Not necessarily that they've got that as a qualification, but that they, they are able to play at that level. And really, we need people who've already got some orchestral experience as well. That could be me, Claire. Peatswood Orchestra, 1988, playing the tuba. Only got to level five, grade five, though. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> you'd be up against some stiff competition. <laughs> yeah. and, and unfortunately, Geoff, one of the other things is that um, as our regular Friday nights, we don't have uh, the full brass section. We just have French horns um, and we bring our trombones and our trumpets and our uh, tuba um, in for concert day. Oh, well, Geoff, I'm sure there'll be another outlet <laughs> at some point for your tuba playing. I'm sure. We'd love to see you anyway. <laughs> Steve, it's been really good to talk to you. Thank you so much for telling us more about the orchestra here. That's great. Thanks, Claire. Susie returns to Bereton after a long absence and notes much change in her wild walk this week. Oh, there's a new signboard. 
Now, I haven't been back to Bereton for a long time. And we've got the boy with us, so this might be a very interrupted wild walk today. But welcome to Queen Elizabeth Country Park. So I've done my usual, which is parking at Kiln Lane. It's incredibly windy today, but they've been cutting down shrubs and so on. It's quite tidy, as my mum might have said. Apparently they're jays, fungi and beechwoods, if you didn't know. So there, there is actually a little map here now because um, I used to quite like this end because nobody knew where we were. Um, but this is quite exciting, so I'm hoping the wind won't be too annoying for you. Go on, Boyki. So the foster dog went into town today uh, with his advanced trainer, and Rain and I also... Rain, come along. Rain went into town and had a huge fuss made of her, she always has a fuss made of her by Sally in One Tree Books. Rain pretends um, that she likes reading, so that's fine. She actually likes biscuits. Uh, but when we were coming out, there was a nice lady who'd been looking at her quite a lot in the shop, and the woman said, oh, I lost my black Labrador the other week, quite elderly, and I really, really felt for her. But i just heard... But at Canine Partners, they often have to retire dogs, particularly if there's um, a partner going in. Often they, they can't really manage having two dogs, so one has to retire through no ill fate. Don't go too far. Good. Because Rain's doing her crimble. This beginning bit of the walk is very, very sharp and stony. And it does put me off a bit because I don't like to see her... That's good, hurting her paws. Young dog, wait for us, and I'm slightly panting because it's quite steep at the start. Anyway, this woman's making a great fuss of rain. And I said about the retired dogs, and she said, oh, I had no idea. She didn't even know about Canine Partners itself because she was from Fairham. And I think I might have interested her in it because she said, oh, I'd love to think of giving a last sort of happy few years to a dog that's gone into service on behalf of other people so isn't that lovely oh rain rain has set off like an idiot um and it was just a small dog in fact but anyway i'll leave it here and we'll have a bit more later on now i'm recording this bit because for the first time in a long time, it's in a big group of ramblers. So just in case, this is a new one. Hello. <gasps> Hello. Good. Let's go straight. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> good. Come on then. Very good boy. Hey. Good boy. This way. Come on then. Very good. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I think definitely the uh, U3A rambling. Or is that what, you know, they're the only people that walk now, people of my age. Hello. You see, I go slightly posh. It's hilarious, isn't it? Um, it's so good to see people on a nice day enjoying themselves. 
That was very well done, dogs. It was. Okay, going straight. Come on then. This is exciting romping in leaves. Let's all romp. I don't know if that's very irritating. But we're all running. And if you haven't run for a while, then run with the dogs. Come, doggy dogs, let's go this way. How exciting is that? Come on, Boyki. Oh, it's brilliant. I love it. I'm probably going to fall flat on my face, so I'll stop now and report later if there's anything exciting. We're right up at one of the highest points now. This is partly a test to see, yes, they've noticed and they've stopped. And in a minute, they're looking strange. Make the right decision, you two. Yes, good. Um, I'm just looking down because it's one of the highest points. That is very, very good. Excellent dogs to come. gone quiet because I've just had to bite that chew in half. It's like I'm suddenly Matt Hancock because it's actually an insect bar. Um, oh, tastes a bit like cheese. Um, but it's gone rock hard because it's obviously so old. Um, but they love it. Anyway, I'm here and I just want to stop and say it's like flying in a green sky. It's extraordinary because there's still so many leaves on the trees. Very, very good. Good boy to come back. Do you want to say hello to the listeners? Bit of scruffle for you. That's good. And because we're so high and looking down through the canopy in all its various forms really I suppose. Yes it is because the trunks are there but mostly these swaying branches in this wind. Um, and I just wanted to there share that moment with you. They're dancing. It's wonderful. Okay, I'm coming. Good, good. Coming up, we meet orchestra leader Helen Purchase. But before that... Let's meet the conductor of the orchestra, Robin Browning. Robin is a lecturer in conducting at Southampton University. An award-winning performer, educator and expert conducting coach, he believes in the power of music to change people for good. Hi Robin, thanks so much for joining us. You're in the middle of rehearsals here and just taking a quick break. How are things going? They're going very well. Um, Tonight's the first uh, time we've met our soloist, Lucy Humphreys, for the Arachunian Trumpet Concerto. Uh, It's not the first time we've met her, because we did uh, some concerto work with her a number of moons ago, um, but it's the first time the orchestra have rehearsed for this programme with her on the Arachunian Trumpet Concerto, with the gig being in, what, 10 days' time? No. But, yeah, around about that, on the 17th, isn't it? Yeah, close. Yeah, so round the corner. So it's, the first, so it's, it's, it's our first meeting. It just makes the dress rehearsal a little bit easier if we've already met the soloist, which we're all really keen to do normally. And, and how did it go? It went very well. You know, she's a good quality player. So she's intelligent. She's a perceptive musician. She's really well prepared and plays breathtakingly. It just makes it easy, uh, I think, for a conductor uh, and for an orchestra, for that matter. Uh, A soloist who's brilliant and well prepared just makes life so 
so easy. You don't really have to work terribly hard. And uh, I think, yeah, it, it went very... I mean, it's not an easy piece for her, and it's not an easy piece for the band to accompany, but uh, everything seemed to slot together alarmingly well. Ooh. I don't want to jinx anything, of course, but they did go, it did go very well. Oh, that's great to hear. How long have you been conducting the Petersfield Orchestra? I kind of... This is my second incarnation as it were, um, because I conducted the Petersville Orchestra for some time, and I can't remember how long that was. You'd have to ask the chairman, Steve Bartholomew, because he knows these things better than I do. But for quite a while I did, and then I moved on. Uh, I, I, I decided to progress other um, areas of my music-making step back, and um, the orchestra worked with other conductors for ooh, three, four, five years, I forget. And then I've come back because they asked me to step in to, to cover um, an unwell conductor and I, it was lovely to be back with the orchestra again and then it just worked out that I was ready to come back to the orchestra and the orchestra were ready to uh, welcome me back is, is, is the best way of putting it and uh, we've been working together this time around for about two years. I'm not quite sure. I'm turning to the leader of the orchestra because it's about that long. Yeah, it's a while. Overall, it's quite a few years. And, but I believe you've got quite a busy schedule on. You've got lots of things in pies with, with jobs that you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a professional conductor, so I conduct all over the place, and I've got a, a, a number of orchestras uh, in the south. I do work uh, with Havant Chamber Orchestra, which is the other orchestra to Havant symphony orchestra um, of course with petersfield orchestra um i run my own orchestra in southampton a professional orchestra called son orchestra i'm uh, uh conducting tutor at southampton university and a new role for me since the start of 2022 is professor of conducting for the british army so i teach all the conductors in the army across across the army who are training to become the bandmasters and directors of music of tomorrow and uh, that's a job that I, I really really do love I thought it would all be marches and um, um, all the rest of it and it's not at all it's uh, some fascinating people I work with and um, I, I, yeah I, it, and it all kind of dovetails together really nicely it all fits together um, sometimes it can be quite busy is it, is it just the army or is it all, all services it's just just the army just the army um, because um, other services have their own uh, conducting professors and um, and so on and so forth. But the army, yeah, that's enough. I've got uh, eight students currently, wow. and like I say, it all kind of dovetails re really beautifully. And I can still carry on all my uh, university work with my young conductors at University of Southampton and the orchestras that I conduct here at Petersfield and elsewhere up in London and in Essex as well, as where I, I conduct regularly as well. And what are you looking forward to most with this? You know, I think, I mean, I love the Arachunian. It's a great little piece. It doesn't come out, for me personally, terribly often as a conductor. But, you know, Tchaikovsky's always a favourite of mine. I love Tchaikovsky. Uh, not everyone does. I do. I love Tchaik 4. It's, it's just such a, a towering masterpiece amongst symphonies. I love doing it, and I haven't done it for ages. I don't know how we come across pieces as performers that you kind of go, oh, hello, old friend. Mm -hmm. You go, I haven't seen you for a while. What, 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 are you, what, what are we going to bring to each other this time around? And I can't remember the last time I did Chike 4, but it was some years ago. I don't know how it's just escaped. It just hasn't... Maybe I did it too many times a decade ago or something, but I love it. It's just such an extraordinary symphony. It's like all 
great Tchaikovsky, and Romeo and Juliet as well. It's that extraordinary combination that Tchaikovsky has of, of, pay, of passion and pathos and, and you know, angst and, and exuberance. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes from darkness to light. Uh, incredibly breathtaking. I love it. So what started your interest in conducting? Um, I think two things, really. One... I was just passionate about the sound of music. I just loved the sound. That music. I loved, loved the noise it made. I just love harmony. I love chords. I love what it does sonically. Um, and secondly, when I was a school kid, I was a school kid in rural North Yorkshire, as you can't tell from my accent, um, I had a really charismatic uh, head of music who I kind of con- who conducted the orchestra and conducted the, the, the wind band and all the rest of it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. And I just stole my mother's knitting needles and, <laughs> and started kind of beating them out of shape um, to some Beethoven in my bedroom up in, up in North Yorkshire. And, um, yeah, and I kind of got the bug. And then I went to university and did more. And then I kind of did more and I studied more. I studied in Italy and I studied in America and uh, in this country. And uh, I just have done more and more and more. And then I, I, I certainly these days with being able to teach it, I, I kind of feel like I'm extraordinarily lucky to be able to work in the way that I do and to pass on what I know to the, well, yeah, to the next generation of conductors, I suppose. And have you noticed throughout your career that conducting has changed in any oh, way? Oh, yes. Hugely. Well, I mean, when I started, I mean I, I mean, I started professionally probably about 25 years ago. Um, you know, there were very, very few women conductors. I mean, why is that? It's nonsense. There's, there's no reason why women can't conduct. Um, but it was just, you know, that, that, that imbalance. And that pendulum has kind of swung the other way. There's a lot of people in this country and in Europe and in America, people like Marianne Alsop and Sean Edwards and so on, who've, who've been really trying to push things to open the podium up to more women and to other people who are, you know, yeah, I guess minority voices on the podium, and that's changed massively. It's become much more young persons. Uh, game, if you like. It's no longer the, the preserve of the, you know, uh, white, you know, silver-haired, octogenarian man. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a much wider profession. And I think um, there's, 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 yeah, I, I think that's a good thing, definitely a good thing. Robin, thank you very much for it's joining us. a pleasure. Us. Good luck with, with the evening. Thank you very much. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? The Petersfield Orchestra presents the first concert of the season on the 17th of November at the Festival Hall. The autumn concert starts at 7.30pm and more details, including ticket information, can be found at petersfieldorchestra.org.uk. Gallery number 30 is holding a wine-tasting evening on Friday the 11th of November from 7 to 9pm. Hosted by Phil Humphreys, sample a range of wines from South Africa. Tickets are £20 each and includes cheese and biscuits. Brass band Five Tees Brass will be at the Phoenix Theatre and Arts Centre in Borden on Friday the 11th of November. This quintet will play light classical pieces, folk songs and more recent popular pieces, as well as original compositions. For more details and to book tickets, go to the Phoenix Theatre's website. The Petersfield Remembrance Parade and Service will be held on Sunday the 13th of November from 10am in the Square. 
This annual public parade and service will start with a uniform procession into the square for an open-air service of remembrance, followed by wreath-laying at the War Memorial on the High Street. And in the afternoon on Sunday the 13th of November, there will be a concert at St Mary's Church in Lys from 3.30pm. This concert will see the return of the popular South Downs Camerata with many talented local musicians. The concert is free, however donations are gratefully received. And if you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. There's a new episode of The Local Showcase hosted by Shine Radio's Mandy P to now listen to. This one-hour music show is packed full of music and interviews from local musicians. To listen to The Local Showcase and other programmes, go to shineradio.uk, bringing you also a brighter mix of great music, local news and information. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. Helen Purchase is the orchestra leader here at the Petersfield Orchestra. Helen's love of the violin started at a young age and has taken her around the UK as both a teacher and an orchestra leader. She now works at Church's College as Head of Performing Arts. Hello Helen, how are you? Hello, fine, thank you. Let's start with a bit of basics. What is an orchestra leader? (laughs) Orchestra leader, of course, very important person. (laughs) Um, Now, the orchestra leader um, has several jobs, really, um, in both in rehearsal and in preparing the orchestra. During rehearsal purposes, my job is to obviously be second to the conductor, follow the conductor's every move. Um, I have a job to lead the entire orchestra, making sure the orchestra follows what the conductor wants to do, um, follows the soloist as well, and hopefully the whole orchestra is following me so that we all keep together and you know one unified ensemble um, in terms of the violin section you might notice if you ever watch an orchestra that all the bows of the string instruments ideally go in the same direction everyone plays their bows in the same direction so it's the leader's job to make the bowings and decide when it's going to be a down bow and when it's going to be an up bow so my job is to do that and hopefully everybody then does the same so we're all unanimous um, we tune up the orchestra as well you might notice at the beginning of the concert the leader tunes up the orchestra and he solos the of course I play um, yeah and generally just play strongly so everybody's got a good lead to follow that sounds like a lot of responsibility it does. <laughs> I was just thinking that you went along this how long have you been the leader of the Petersfield Orchestra oh gosh what a question um, well a long time <laughs> um, I arrived in Petersfield um, this is very embarrassing now in about 1993 uh, September of 1993 and I came to watch a Petersfield Orchestra concert um, just before I moved to the area to come to this job um, where I teach at Church's College and I joined the orchestra straight away so you can work it out that's quite a lot of years I wasn't leading at that stage though just came in and sat at the back of the first violins to begin with and you're so you're a violin player what age were you when you started to play the violin I was four when I started to play the violin yes my mother says that I said I really want to play the violin I cannot remember back to those um those days but she apparently said I I was very keen to start and there I was my mother was a piano teacher she came to all my violin lessons because I learned the Suzuki method um so she came to all my lessons and it went from there really And how are you finding the pieces for this concert? Oh, I love them. Yes, yes. Part of my favourite romantic music. Um, Really good fun. The Aratunian Trumpet Concerto is great. Lucy was um, once a student here at Church's College, so it's lovely to see her back after quite a lot of years now. So it's really lovely to hear her again after all those years. Yeah. And what's it like to be playing again after a couple of years out with the pandemic? 
Well, we, we tried to keep going as much as we could, could the pieces for the orchestra. Um, obviously not during the height of the lockdown, but as soon as we were able to, we had the string section back, um, did a very small concert with social distancing. So we tried to keep it going as much as we could, but we didn't have the full orchestra such as you hear tonight and in the concert. So it's, oh, it's just brilliant to be back music making again. We, we miss that as performers, definitely. <laughs> now, also you play the viola, I understand. Yes. Do you play the viola in the orchestra or is that something you just do in a, in a different way? <laughs> Um, I do play the viola, yes. Um, I obviously lead the violin on the violin in this orchestra, but I do play the viola in string quartets, and if other orchestras need viola players, I can play the viola, yes, or I teach the viola as well. So, Because <laughs> it's quite an unusual instrument, isn't it? I think people tend to go for the violin or the cello, possibly, yes. but the, the viola is the one in the middle, isn't Definitely. it? Definitely, and I think it's a very underrated instrument. It's a beautiful instrument. It makes a gorgeous sort of um, very warm, mellow sound, and um, yeah, yeah. I took a long time before I took up the viola, but I was very pleased I did. You earn lots of money being a viola player, because um, no one ever has enough viola players in the world, so you're always asked to do gigs and, and concerts and things. They always want viola players. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see you're raring to go back to the second half of your rehearsal here. It's been lovely to talk to you, Helen. Thanks very much. Oh, Thank you very much. Thank you. And finally, we're delighted to be joined by trumpet player Lucy Humphreys, who will be the soloist of the Aratunian Trumpet Concerto. Hello, Lucy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Very well. Good. Now, the rehearsals, we're mid-rehearsals. You Mm -hmm. sounded fantastic. Thank you very much. How's it going for you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, Yeah, the rehearsal was a lot of fun. Um, The orchestra is sounding great. And uh, it's it's a great piece to play, Aratunian. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, things are things are going all right at the moment. Thank you. Um, they've been a bit strange for the last couple of years with everything that's happened, but um, but things things are picking up. I've got a debut album coming out in March, um, so currently sort of in the throes of sorting out all the admin for that, which is fun. But um, but yeah, things things are going well. Thank that's you. That's really exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Are they uh, your own pieces composed, or are they? Uh, no. Well, it's 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 a bit of everything in the album. There's a, a few arrangements of mine of. Um, um, some Janacek and some Respighi, so a, an orchestral suite and also some piano stuff. Uh, and then a piece that was composed for me back in 2018 um, and also just some solo trumpet stuff um, that is written by other composers. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's a really fun programme. I'm, I'm really excited to, to bring it to people's ears, um, but it should, be, it should be good. And how long have you been playing the trumpet? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I want to say about 16 years. That seems about right, I think. Um, I, yeah, I realised the other day that I'm fast coming up on 20 years with a trumpet, which doesn't really bear thinking about. <laughs> but yeah, a while. What made you want to pick up the trumpet out of all the instruments you oh, could possibly choose? It was, it was basically the nearest one. <laughs> it was um, my, my primary school... Um, I don't think they had any other music lessons apart from uh, a local brass teacher just came and started giving free brass lessons. Or, or maybe they weren't free, but they were very subsidised at least. And I had always loved music. I was always... My mum's my got pictures of me conducting and sitting at a piano just pressing notes when I was a toddler. Um, so it was just... She, I think, the brass teacher put me in the direction of a, of a cornet and went, try this. So I did and I just didn't look back really just an instrument to make music on give it to me and I'll play (laughs) now Helen told us that you went to school here I did yes so what's it like in this new music room much better than the old one (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I drove into the car park and thought oh my goodness me this is huge it's yeah it's very swanky very very nice and it's yeah it's really nice to actually see a purpose-built 
sort of theatre theatre concert hall space um, because when when I was here we didn't have that at all um, and. I think basically the only practice room was like a little a little cell that I tended to commandeer most of the time. <laughs> and have you played with the Petersfield Orchestra before? Yes, I have. I did the... I think I did the Haydn with them. I don't know when, at some point. And I also did uh, Carnival of Venice with them in, I think... I think Helen said today possibly 2012. I don't know, time's, time's gone very strange. But uh, yes, I've played with them a few times, yeah. So how's it feel to come back? Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, they're, they're a great, great group of people and it's nice to see some familiar faces as well. And have you been doing any other live concerts around the UK at all? Um, yeah, I do, I do a lot of um, contemporary stuff, a lot of modern, modern things, a lot of chamber music. Um, so I've been doing doing a lot of that kind of stuff I've got a recital partner that I play with he's a pianist and uh, we tend to give recitals uh, around at sort of uh, classical music festivals and things um, but uh, yeah I did a did a great piece earlier in the year that was for various percussion including glass bottles and what I think were meant to be sort of Tibetan singing bowls but the percussionist couldn't get hold of any so he used scaffolding pipes instead <laughs> so that was entertaining <laughs> and, and what does the future hold? Well, hopefully more of the same, really. I'd, I'd, I'd very much like to um, keep doing recitals as much as I can. I'd love to work with... Working with composers is something I'm really, really passionate about. So um, I've, got, I've got a few projects in the pipeline for, for that kind of thing. Um, so hopefully if funding comes through for them, which at the moment is a bit of a ah, subject, um, hopefully that'll, that'll uh, set things in motion next year. But yeah, at the moment, sort of prepping for album launch and... and whatever comes out of that. Sounds absolutely brilliant. Lucy, <laughs> it was a pleasure to hear you play Thank in you. rehearsal. Thank you, pleasure and to talk to you. Best of luck with the concert on the 17th of November. Thank you very much. And so we come to the end of this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Steve Bartholomew, Robin Browning, Helen Purchase, Lucy Humphreys, and everyone in the Petersfield Orchestra here this evening. John Walker and Susie Wilde, as well as to our editor, M. Sefton-Smith, and the Shine Radio team. We end this week's Peapod with a song from Callan Gardner, who was featured recently on Mandy P's local showcase. So from Joff and I this week... Bye! bye. Jumping around, jumping around, jumping around into no round If you get the picture Singing a sound, singing a sound, singing a sound Till he turned it up and I gave him the finger I said, what you have to do this time? You could have picked any other citrus one, huh? He said, son, I bet you live like you speak Extremely insensibly, what you get to bleed for? And you wait to bleed for no Segregation of people Like a species in danger We ain't gonna be safe
To live like you speak Extremely insensibly What you get a plea for When you listen to Petersfield's Shine Radio, the children of Sheet Primary School will keep you on time. It's 16 minutes to 7. It's quarter past 5. Through the day, every day, their young voices keep Petersfield running like clockwork. It's 27 minutes to 12. It's half past 6. Shine Time is sponsored by Pickets and Purses for the timeless beauty of new and vintage jewellery in Petersfield. It's 29 minutes to 3. Shine Time, only from Petersfield's Shine Radio. Mm-hmm. 